on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the DFS Dose, your fix of DFS information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, and as always, I'm joined by the two Jays, Joey and Jared. And gentlemen, the week one main slate is in the books, and what a slate it was. Incredibly high-scoring week we saw on DraftKings. I mean, unlike anything I've seen in a long time. The Millie Maker got taken down by a 301-point lineup. I've never seen anything like that in NFL. Maybe it's happened, but I've never seen it. Um, And that's just absolutely crazy. So um, we have quite a bit to talk about today, including how a 301-point lineup was reached. Uh, So on today's show, we're going to analyze some of the top plays that you needed to have to place highly in GPPs. Uh, We'll also recap our personal worst and best plays. And finally, we're going to break down some of the most surprising statistics of this incredible week one of NFL and discuss whether or not uh, these stats are predictive of trends that will continue throughout the season or simply just one-week anomalies. So uh, real quick, guys, what is going on, and do you have any just sort of general takeaways from the week? This slate was crazy, man. Yeah, very, absolutely. Very high scoring. Terrible. <laughs> Why was it terrible? <laughs> the tilt is real. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Michael Thomas and Kamara killed me. I mean, if you were off plays, uh, it was looking bad for you. If you were off yeah. certain people, the thing is, the chalk really ended up hitting this week, and I think that one of the reasons the scores were so high is because the salary was so soft. So I would definitely expect the the salary, you know, like the the winning lineups to be lower scoring as the lineups continue or as the as the prices continue to get tighter going forward. You in, know? in cash lineups, like the cash line was almost around like two hundred points, which is absolutely nuts. Yeah, that's insane. My my cash lineup uh, posted two eleven, which is insane. That's usually like a GPP lineup, and and I, I finished with ninety percent. I didn't even win a hundred percent of my cash with uh with a two hundred eleven score. Line, that's crazy. The cash line was crazy, which means that the GPP line was even crazier. Yeah. So let's get into it. Some of the plays that you needed to absolutely have um to to win big this week. Um, obviously, the Bucks and Saints game was the pinnacle. You had to have stacked this game in a couple of different ways. Um, so Fitz Fitzpatrick, he was one point two nine percent owned in the Millie Maker, and this was projected to be the highest total game. So how come people weren't on him, guys? I mean, it's because it's Fitzpatrick. I mean, okay, okay. Fitz, <laughs> no, I, mean, I understand. Wow. But at the same time, yeah, it was so he posted a career high. He had 417 passing yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions, and he had 12 carries for 36 yards. I mean, I just think coming, that's insane. Coming in, if you look look at the same secondary, it's not bad. Yeah, that's what I was. It's not say. bad. I don't know what coming happened. into this um, week, you didn't expect the Saints defense to be as bad as it was. Like they couldn't stop anybody. They couldn't stop Godwin, Deshaun Jackson. Uh, Mike Evans, nobody. Like, it was just straight up, like, an aerial assault from Fitzpatrick. Yeah, Um. so on the other side of the ball, Michael Thomas and Camaro were both chalky, and yet we didn't, you know, for them to reach that ceiling that people had sort of anticipated, wouldn't Fitzpatrick had to have sort of produced at that level? Because otherwise they wouldn't have been still passing. Yeah, Michael Thomas would not have gotten 16 catches if – the Bucks didn't score yes. like that much. Because Michael yeah, Thomas Tom- was a complete slate breaker. He had 16 receptions, which is a Saints team record uh, for 180 yards and a touch. That that was uh, over 40 points on DraftKings. Yeah, that's got to be the most in recent like years, right? I haven't seen a 16 catch game in a while. Yeah, he had eight catches for 90 yards in both halves. Crazy. That's incredible. Incredible. Um, so I, I was uh, I was on Thomas this week for sure. I think the main decision was Thomas or Keenan Allen. I, I sort of leaned towards Thomas because um, the Bucks are missing their top corner. Hargraves was out, and I, I just sort of thought with Ingram out, the Saints would switch to a more pass-heavy attack. Uh, were you guys on Thomas this week? I was on Thomas and Kamara this week. Um, I felt like those were two plays that you kind of had to have to do well. And obviously that was true. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't play either. And the only reason I didn't play either was because I felt they would get a lead quickly. 
and just like run the ball out. So I didn't think Michael Thomas would catch sixteen passes. Um, and I love the Chargers. I love the Melvin Gordon and Keenan pair more than Tom than Thomas and Kamara. They were cheaper and had better matchups. I feel they had better matchups. They, they both did snap too. That was yeah. That was a viable they, they both stack. did well too. Um, but it helps when like Kamara had eight carries and two of them went for touchdowns, which is twenty. So it comes out twenty five percent of his carries were touchdowns in this game, and he had twenty nine yards rushing. And then he also went for nine catches, one hundred twelve yards, and a touchdown for forty six. Yeah, so Kamara points. had three touchdowns on what seventeen touches. Yeah. that's incredible. Yeah, it was crazy. he's a crazy talent. It's. It's insane. So here's just a question. Can you guys justify fading Kamara at any point? Because he's shown that he can do this continually. I mean, so for me this week, I faded Kamara because I thought that David Johnson at uh, 300 more had a better projection uh, projection for workload. And yet Kamara is just, even with a limited workload, he's just outstanding. He's so explosive on the field. Breeze looks to him in the red zone clearly at, at every opportunity. Nah, just my thinking like with the David Johnson is that the Cardinals are honestly a bad team. So they're going to be down. And if they're losing, uh, they're not going to run the ball as much. So that decreases uh, David Johnson's value. That's why I didn't play him this week. I thought the Redskins were going to win. Like I picked them in a survivor pool. I, I was off David Johnson and I was I played Kamara a little bit, but I didn't have him like in every lineup because he was kind of expensive, eighty five hundred. But going forward, um, I think it's pretty safe to assume that Kamara's never going to get that workload. Some people assume that he was going to be getting, you know, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen carries on top of his receiving look with Ingram being out, but I think that that won't be the case and, and the Saints know that they have to manage him that way, and yet it still seems impossible to fade him with this kind of produ- like production. I think uh, a good outlook for him would probably be around like 15 to like 22 touches total, like catches, carries per game, especially when Ingram comes back as well. But if he if he produces like he does uh, consistently, you can't fade him, honestly, if he's going to score over 25 points, 30 points a game. Yeah, um, totally agree. And on the other side of the ball, we touched on it briefly, but uh, having Mike Evans or Deshaun Jackson were huge swings uh, if you were playing GPP. Deshaun Jackson came in at under 1% in the Millie Maker. He went for five receptions, 146 yards, and two touchdowns. And Mike Evans at 2.7% went for seven catches, 147 yards, and a touchdown. Um, I completely faded Evans. I thought that he would be locked up by Lattimore, but that just wasn't the case. They absolutely snapped. As did most of the people in the contest. So just I took a brief look ahead. The DraftKings prices for Week 2 are out, and Alvin Kamara is 9500 over Todd Gurley at $9,200. Um, I mean, he's playing the Browns, who just got shredded today by uh, James Conner. So are you going to be playing Kamara at 9500 That's so high. That is... That is a lot of salary. <laughs> um, personally, I probably won't play him if he's ninety five hundred. What about you, Jared? Um, ninety five hundred is probably a little too much for me. I haven't really looked at the slate yet, but I'm ready to play. I'm paying down. I think Melvin Gordon's gonna outscore him. Um, so I probably pay down for Melvin Gordon, and even though Cream Hunt didn't get. As much running as I would like, I'd rather pay, play both of them than play, like, Kamara, and you'd have to go, like, all the way down to, like, Lamar Miller. Yeah, Kamara would take up 20% of your salary, almost 20%. I mean, he's completely worth it, but for him to get that, he'd have to score over 30 points. And you'd have to rely on low salary options to cover up the difference in points yeah so paying up at running back isn't a spot i'm usually looking looking yeah i suppose at. it'll depend on what kind of low salary options we have next week i think that uh i mean i i barely looked at it but i assume it's going to be quite a bit tighter than week one seeing as they didn't release it a month at a time i mean camara will week in and week out he'll probably score at least 20 points as long as he's not getting hit I, if you guys like watch him run and play or whatever, he never gets hit, hit. 
Like he gets tackled, obviously, but he doesn't get hit. Yeah, his strength isn't breaking contact, but it's just avoiding it. He's one of the most elusive backs I've ever seen. I mean, it's incredible how he just avoids contact. It's like he just slides off tacklers. He does. It's crazy. He His agility is insane. But they are, like you mentioned, um, they are playing the Browns at home next week, which is, that's a tasty matchup. That, yeah, that's going to be hard to uh, to get off of. Same with running it back with Thomas. You saw the Browns get torn up by uh, Brown and Juju this week. Yeah, Juju had more receiving yards than Antonio Brown, too. Not as many targets, though. Brown did have 16 targets. Yeah. but um, I mean, Big Ben was just trash, though, so it kind of hurt both of them. Yeah, um, as, as he is one to do on the road, um, is just play horribly. And it it was pretty rainy there. The conditions obviously played yeah. a factor in that game, which is why to me, uh, going into the game, James Conner was an absolute stone lock. Um, what with the Big Ben struggles on the road, Conner getting all of the workload in place of Le'Veon Bell. Um, I I didn't see how you could fade Connor even in tournaments. He was just so valuable uh, with that kind of workload. And that definitely manifested because he went for 31 rushes for 135 yards and two touches, and he got five of six of his targets for 57 yards. Um, that is a 36 touch. That, that's game. Le'Veon Bell, and that's even <laughs> even more than Le'Veon Bell. That's more than that's yes, that is more than Le'Veon Bell, and that's insane. So, he had 36 touches against Do you think Browns. that Le'Veon Bell is expendable to the Steelers at this point? That's a tough question. Um, I mean, he's clearly one of the best running backs in the league, but he could also be part of a system. I mean, you have to think of it at this time. Because that is true. the way that they just plugged I, Connor in, and he performed Le'Veon Bell-esque in that role for his first time, I mean, that's just amazing. And you have to wonder if – the if the Steelers will trade him if he ever signs his tender. The Steelers would never trade him. You don't think he's expendable? Watch he gets traded. Watch he gets traded next week. He's definitely expendable, but he's not getting traded. I don't think he would get traded just for the reason that he's holding out. So the team that trades for him would also have to offer him what he wants, which could which could be hard to well, do. Well Khalil Mack was holding out. And we saw how much of an impact he made. But you don't find a talent like Khalil Mack every, you know, every year. He's like a once-in-a-generation type talent. Le'Veon Bell's not. He is, but you could find another great running back easier than you could find another great pass rusher. Get where I'm coming from? And pass rushers have more of a life. Like, they have more of a life and, like, a, a longevity in the NFL rather than the running back. That is definitely fair. But you just have to wonder. I mean, th- there's clearly bad blood running between the Steelers and Le'Veon Bell at this point. Le'Veon Bell is, like, subtweeting them a second after they tie the game with the Browns. It's just – it's not a good look. The offensive line has trashed him. He's just acting acting out Childish. on Twitter. It, it, it is. It, it's not a good look. Like, I understand – <laughs> It, it is childish. I mean, you shouldn't – like, why are you subtweeting emojis at your own team that just tied a game? Like, that's just – it's disrespectful. It's, it's and, and I'm all for players wanting to get paid. Like, they all deserve that. But, like, why you got to be like that, you know? Like, I, hold out if you want, but why are you subtweeting your team? Like, if I were a Steelers fan, I would be like, nope, we got Connor. He, as great as Le'Veon Bell is at this point. And if the Steelers can get some value on him, there's no chance he's going to be there in 2018 or 2019. So – I mean, why not if, get value if you have the opportunity? If they know that he's going to leave after this season, then they definitely should try and find a trade partner because obviously that'd be the smart thing to do. But like you said, it could be just a system, and Connor was great when they plugged him in. They gave him 36 touches. He produced. He scored 38 points on DraftKings, and he was a must-own for GPPs this week. So a couple more must-owns before we move on to our next segment. Emmanuel Sanders. Um he was expected to be the top target for Case Keenum uh, on this new Broncos offense, and that was exactly what happened. He got 11 targets, uh, 10 catches, 135 yards, and a touch. 
Demarius Thomas also got 10 targets, uh, so one less than Sanders, but he just wasn't as productive as Sanders was. Did you guys play a lot of Sanders? I had him, I think, in every lineup. <coughs> yeah, said 5K, in, you couldn't fade him. As said in uh, previous podcasts, I was all over Case Keenum and Sanders and the whole Broncos um, team against the Seahawks defense, that and it, and it paid off, so... Yeah, Keenum had a sort of up-and-down week. He did throw, I think, three picks after it was all said and done, and there was definitely another one that could have been a pick, but it was dropped. But, I mean, he, he produced enough to, you know, outweigh that. First 51, first 5,100 price tag. Oh, yeah. It paid off. Absolutely. He scored, 20, he scored 25 points. He had three touchdowns as well as three interceptions. Demarius got one. Sanders got a touchdown. So... All in all, the Broncos stack paid off, and that was a stack that we were pushing on previous podcasts. Well, at least me and Ben were pushing it, and yeah, it paid off. Yeah, do you guys think that um, next week Sanders will again outperform Demarius, or was it just sort of a, a weekly thing that, that Thomas uh, didn't do quite as much with his targets? Who's he playing next week? Good question. Oh, o- Oakland? Oh, Oakland? yeah, Oakland. Uh, so, I mean, both of them. I, I do... I'd go with his Broncos stack again. Yeah, if they're um, cheap. I'm, I might, I might look at Sanders. I mean, his price has gone up. I'm probably going to be 6200 next week, so you will have to pay up a little oh. more. But even still, 6200 against the Raiders. We'll see how the Raiders do tomorrow against the Rams, but I expect them to be torched through the air, to be honest. So 6200 won't scare me off um, if that manifests tomorrow with the Raiders secondary. For sure. And I guess the last uh, must-own, there were plenty of great plays that you could have played this week, but in terms of must-own, you pretty much had to have Tyreek Hill if you didn't have, you know, Michael Thomas or or one of those other. Yeah, Michael Thomas. So Tyreek Hill had eight targets. He caught seven of them and went for 169 yards, two touchdowns, and he had a 91-yard touchdown return. He was just absolutely amazing. He is so fast. He just makes everyone look like slow motion when he's running. Um, what do you guys think about Hill this week and going forward? He'll snap this week. And if you think about it, a lot of his like catches weren't that deep. I mean, he had that one where he like jumped up, acrobat, fell on his head, caught the ball. But like one was a quick slant that he just took to the house. Like he just completely outran everybody and took to the house. He's always a threat on special teams. Um, I I like Hill. Um, I think he'll be good for the rest of the year. It just depends what his price tag is on DK. It's probably just going to keep going up. Yeah, so to me, Hill and Kamara have a lot of similarities in that they're so explosive that you really can't fade them. But at the same time, they're not getting the workload or guaranteed like target share that the other players in their price range are getting. So would you rather play? You know, pay for someone like Tyreek Hill or you know, A.J. Green or Michael Thomas, who are the clear number one targets in their offense, where Hill's getting only eight targets. You could find that at a cheaper price, but they won't be as explosive. And the same is the same thing uh, with Kamara. So that's going to be a difficult choice to make with these guys because the ceiling is always there, and they're a threat to go all the way at any time yeah. they touch the Hill's ball. Hill's already all the way up to 7,600. And one thing that we were kind of um... – you know, wrong about was Mahomes against the Chargers defense. He had four touchdowns and 256 yards. Yeah, that was amazing. Um, to be to be honest, you know, uh, we do record our preview podcast on Wednesday nights, and it comes out Thursday. So once the Bosa news came out later in the week, I sort of got off of the Chargers and went down to the Bengals for a hundred less, just because I I was afraid that that pass rush wouldn't be as intimidating. And that turned out to be true. The The Chargers definitely missed Bosa this week. Yeah. And he could but, be out for a few more weeks, uh, by the way. He's slated to miss more than one week. I got off the Ravens, went all the way down to the Browns. And that, that must have paid off. Uh, what did the Browns end up with? 16, one less point for 1,800 less. And and far less ownership, too. Although uh, value. the winning a 301 point millie maker lineup did have the ravens which i thought was surprising i was almost sure that whoever won the millie maker would have had a similarly uh highly produced defense at a much lower ownership but it seems like the chalk worked in pretty much every way for them yeah we could look out for that browns defense the rest of this year honestly denzel ward looked amazing in coverage i mean he gave up that amazing catch to antonio brown in the end zone 
for a touchdown, but he had two picks. Miles Garrett was just dominant. Yeah, he and, was. Yeah. And you can't you can't be on uh, Denzel Ward for giving up an amazing play to Antonio. I mean, that happens yeah. to great corners all the time. And, and minus the Bears collapse, I would look at the Bears defense as well. Uh, yeah, absolutely. They, they were putting on a ton of pressure. Matt kind of disappeared in that second half, though. I don't know if that was because Rodgers, because they just turned to that quick passing and... Rogers. It looked like he was tired. Yeah, yeah. He, he was supposed to be on the snap uh, snap count anyways, so I wouldn't be surprised if they scaled him back, thinking that Rodgers would come in back. Game, but... Like game shape, like he's not. Yeah. Like, and he was still. He's dominant. not ready to play a whole game. Yeah. And he, he. Oh my God, yo! First of all, Deshaun Kaiser is literally just. No matter how many good plays he makes, he's gonna have an equal amount of turnovers. Who does this remind you of? Big arm can make huge plays, but just sucks and turns the ball over and doesn't win. Jay Cutler. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's exactly good. that's exactly who he is. Jay Cutler, except Jay Cutler was obviously better. I was gonna but, say Geno Smith, but but good call on Cutler. <laughs> yeah, big arm can make the throws, but just he's gonna have the same amount of turnovers and everything. But he's bad. He's irrelevant. He won't have any relevance yeah, this year, anyways. Yeah. But. The Bears' defense is gonna. It's just going to get better, especially with if Roquan Smith finally breaks that starting lineup, and Khalil Mack decides to um that decides. But once he gets into football shape, the it's gonna be crazy. Yeah, and, and you yeah. saw Roquan Smith make an impact uh, right away as soon as he got on the very field first in that play. Game. Yeah, it yeah. Was, so you know, as a as a fan of a competing NFC North team, that that was a uh, pretty. Interesting to see how good the Bears looked at points. Um, Trubisky still looks like he's struggling at some points. He maybe couldn't hold up to the pressure of having to match Aaron Rodgers in a fourth quarter, you know, passing shootout, so to speak. But who yeah. can? So yeah, it's so. Brady. Um, so we will move on to our next <laughs> segment at this point. <laughs> um. We'll move on to our next segment at this point. We're just going to give our best and worst personal plays. We're not going to spend too much time talking about our own lineups. You know, who wants to hear about that? But, um, Jared, I'll start with you. What was your best play uh, in terms of something non-chalk that you went with? I have two that were my favorite plays, and one was, I already mentioned it, the Browns defense, Mm -hmm. who scored 16 points, and... I just want to get exact ownership for one of the GPPs I was in. It was definitely low, and they are, again, 2,000 next week, the lowest defense on the slate, although against you know New Orleans on the road I think is much different yeah. from being at home against the Steelers who struggle in division. I probably won't be playing the Browns next week. Um, in the Millie Makers, they were at 8.42. And That's I was surprisingly on high for them, I think. Yeah. I was also on Melvin Gordon and then Joe Mixon. Melvin Gordon scored 30.6 and Joe Mixon scored 26.9. Yeah, they both snapped. Mixon was a good play. Um, Those were a main main fix in almost every lineup I had. Do you guys think that uh, just sort of bleeding into our next segment where we'll talk about uh, whether we think today's statistics were trends or... Uh, just anomalies. Do you think that Mixon's workload is sort of going to be a trend going forward as far as how much he dominated? He got all the third down work too. I think uh, yes. Geo only got maybe like two touches compared to over 20 for Mixon total. So, you know, 100%. they're going to be using Mixon as a workhorse. Yes. What do you think, Joey? I know you aren't uh, really a big fan of Mixon coming into this year. Yeah, I think I think it'll become a trend. I think they want to give him the workload, and obviously, after today, they are willing to do so. They need to if they want to win, straight up. Yeah, I caught bits and pieces of that game. I am gonna go back and watch uh, watch it over, but I didn't see how well their offensive line performed. Uh, it must have been better than it was last year because it was horrible last year. What did you guys note about their their game? I mean, I didn't see. Andy Dalton go down that many times, and Mixon had pretty decent room to run. Um, I mean, they played they played well. I think it was an all around good game for the Bengals. They uh, Andrew Luck was Andrew Luck, so like he's gonna put up points. Mm-hmm. Um, the offensive line was good. I think Joe Mixon's gonna be a true work workhorse. Um, the rest of the year, he could be uh. 
There'll be a lot of good plays with him this year. Especially when when they hit the Browns twice a year. Yeah, that is definitely true. Um, Joey, do you want to give your favorite play from today's action? My favorite play probably would be Emmanuel Sanders because he scored 32 and he was at 5,000. I also play Deion Lewis, and he scored 22. I put him in my flex, and then you put me on to Kenny Stills, Ben, which ended up being a great play. He scored 29 points at his 4,700 price tag, which is extreme value. Yeah. And my highest lineup was 211 points. Yeah, I just want to make this clear. We were all on, like, obviously Keenan, Kamara, Michael Thomas, but, like, we're not going to mention them because, like, they were chalk, so there's no point. Yeah, and, and we definitely did talk about them on our on our previous episodes. But um yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I get what you're saying as in, in terms of this. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um yeah, Joey. So I was also gonna say my favorite play of the day was Kenny Stills. I went super hard on him. I played him everywhere and uh his seventy what was it, a seventy five yard touchdown, I think, or maybe it was just seventy, but either way, that basically swung me from breaking even to a pretty decent profit uh today because Kenny Stills was super low owned and um just with Devontae Parker being out and Amendola and Albert Wilson being new to the offense, Tannehill coming back to at least have somebody that he has a rapport with. Even Gasecki is new. Um, I don't think he got too much run with Kenyon Drake, none with Frank Gore. So I just thought that Stills was a great play. Um, he actually didn't produce the way I thought he would. I thought he was going to get a bunch of targets. He actually only got five targets, but he made the most of them, went over 100 yards, got two touchdowns. Um, so he made it happen one way or the other. So Stills, Stills was a good play. Um, so, Jared, I'm going to toss it back to you. What was your least favorite uh, play or just a mistake you made? Um what, what did you do wrong this week? Um, two of them. I had a lot of Alex Collins. He only got 7.9 points. And then I had a lot of John Ross. <sighs> Obviously, I love John Ross. But he only got that one catch, which was a touchdown, but not enough. Yeah, so on both of those plays, do you think I'll, – I'll start with Ross. Do you think that he will get more targets going forward? Because I think he only got two targets and that, that one catch for the touchdown, which wasn't even a bomb like you would expect for him. It was a red zone target. Yeah, like those two plays, I would – 10 out of 10, I'd do that over again every yeah. single time with the matchups. Those guys. I don't regret, regret playing them. I just, like, forgot the results. Yeah, absolutely. And, that, and and that's something really important, just a side note. In terms of DFS, sometimes you have to trust, you know, I don't want to sound like Sean McDermott or something, but, like, trust the process over the results because, you know, there's so much variance when it comes to DFS. If, if your thinking is right, you know, don't question your thinking and don't let that push you into making a bad decision the next week just to sort of be like, oh, well, that happened, so... You know, it's going to happen again. Like, just trust your results, have a solid process, and you'll do better than you would just, you know, by chasing results. So Yeah, no one smashes every week. Yeah. Like, it's it's DFS. Like, you could have Antonio Brown against the worst defense in the league. He could get one catch for five yards. You know what I'm saying? And then you could have Mike Evans against a top seven corner, and then he goes for 30 points. You know, like, like today. yeah, so it's not, you can't blame yourself. If you've got, if you got the stats right, you got whatever right, you got the matchup right, you got salary to fit, you got your play you wanted, you can't just, like, don't dwell over it. It's one week. Get it, get it back next week. Yep, it's, that, it's definitely, so much you could do. yeah, and you got to think of it as a season-long grind, even though it is DFS week by week, but, um, yeah, so... Joey, uh, what was your worst play or biggest mistake this week? So I'm with Jared on the Alex Collins play. I had a, I had some shares of him, and he obviously busted. Yeah, I was, I was um, right there with you guys. <laughs> then I guess I would look to Burkhead or Chris Hogan. I played them pretty highly, and they didn't produce. I mean, like Jared was saying, like I don't regret playing them, but... I just don't like the results, especially when Burkhead got 18 carries and only turned that into 7.9 fantasy points. And then Chris Hogan only had 20 yards receiving on four targets, mm-hmm. uh, two catches. Yeah, I had, a, I had a lot of Hogan too, and that's another one, but that was more of a touchdown dependent for me. I'm just more disappointed in 
Alex Collins only got seven carries. That was my big thing. And John Ross only got one catch. So, like, Chris Hogan was a big one, too, though. I, I totally agree with that. I had a, a pretty yeah, decent I mean, share of Hogan. I said uh, wrong stat. He only got 2.1 fantasy points. So, he definitely he definitely busted. And he was 6,100, so he was... Uh, he was pretty low priced. That's why I was on him, and he only ended up getting one catch for eleven yards on five targets. Yeah, he was my flex play in a couple lineups. It was between him and Mixon. They were both sixty-one. I obviously took a lot more Mixon, but I played him in a couple too. In terms of Alex Collins, um, he got out touched by Kenneth Dixon, thirteen to seven. He had the same amount of touches as Lamar Jackson, who got a surprising amount of run in the Ravens' debut. Um, he had seven carries. Do you guys think that that was just a function of how badly the Ravens were blowing the Bills out? Um, Collins also had a fumble, so maybe he was temporarily benched, but. Collins didn't get the work that he was projected to. I mean, if you played the Ravens D and Collins stack, you were on the right track because the Ravens absolutely obliterated the Bills, and they should have been running it with Collins, but it just didn't work out that way. So do you expect that to go forward? Will Collins sort of resume his, his you know, 18 to 20 touch carry projection going forward, or are we going to have to be worried about this? I'm not worried. Not worried at all, honestly. Unless the... Uh... Unless Flacco turns into Alex Smith the last year, I'm not worried at all. Mm-hmm. Has Lamar Jackson breathing down his neck so he feels the need to chuck the ball? And I mean, he did it today. Michael Crabtree had a good catch. I think Crabtree, Sneed, and Brown all had touchdowns, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he played well today. I mean, it's Flacco, so grasp onto that while you can. It's going to disappear in a week. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, and I'd say that my biggest mistake, I touched on it a little bit earlier. Um, I pretty much went for a full fade of Camara. I kind of took a bold stand there. Um, as good of a play as he was, like I said, I just, I'm usually going to be chasing workload and not going to be going after these plays that are explosive, but not a guaranteed workload. So I almost fully faded Camara and I went heavy on Michael Thomas, which worked, uh, going on the Saints passing game. And I played a lot of David Johnson in place of Camaro, who was 300 more. And that just ended up being a mistake in the end. Um, the Dave, David Johnson and the whole Cardinals offense was super disappointing. So I guess that's my biggest regret. But again, like we talked about earlier, I mean, the process was there. I guess uh, we'll just have to see with David Johnson because that was pretty concerning to see how he was utilized. Yeah, sure. I, went, I, went, I went almost all in on Melvin Gordon over um, Camaro. Yeah, and Gordon did pretty well. So um, let's move on to our final segment of the show where we're going to look at some of the more surprising statistics from today and lines uh, and just talk about whether or not we think that they're in, you know, indicative of trends that are going to be going forward or if they were just, you know, one-week anomalies that we can sort of disregard based on situation. And we can start right with uh, Melvin Gordon like you were talking about. So... Gordon had his first career 100 uh, 100-yard receiving game today. He caught 9 passes for 102 yards and had 64 yards on the ground with 15 carries. So, do you think that Melvin Gordon's pass game usage was a function of the Chargers playing from behind or can we expect Gordon to be that kind of uh, you know, David Johnson Le'Veon Bell of the past where he's getting that kind of receiving game workload on top of a workhorse uh, running projection i don't think he'll get that much like running the pass game honestly because they have eckler who actually played very well and he looked really good as a receiver yeah he looks pretty good he had a he had a pretty long touchdown receiving the ball too catching the ball um i think it was just a product of they were getting on (laughs) what about you joey what do you think about gordon I agree. Um, like, he's not known as a pass catching running back. Like, he can do it. Like, like he could. Like, obviously, he can catch as he just got over a hundred yards receiving. But I definitely think it's an anomaly, just because they were playing from behind, like you guys mentioned. Yeah, 
Um, I kind of agree. I, I do think that he could see a higher uh, average amount of carries, though, than 15, just to sort of balance that out. Like, I could see him being more in, like, the 18 to 21, 22 range and maybe getting, like, five or six targets slash catches yeah, per week. So he's still going to be super valuable this year, I think. And, uh, yeah. He um, should average about 20 to 25 touches a week. Yeah, easily. Um, yeah, he's a workhorse. So let's talk about another backfield out there um in the titans which i think is pretty interesting how it ended up shaking out today so uh just some notes with the titans marcus mariota exited the game um delaney walker also out for the season as reported by ian rapaport um so we don't know how much time Mariota's is going to miss if he'll miss any but if blaine gabbert enters the lineup as their starting cornerback they're probably going to have to uh shift to a more run heavy team just to hide Gabbert who we know I mean we know who Gabbert is at this point he's not good so uh the Titans this week Derrick Henry got the first eight touches of the game it looked like they were going to feature him and then after that they completely switched gears and Deion Lewis took over and out touched him from that point on I think Derrick Henry only got uh two carries after that so Lewis had uh, 16 carries for 75 yards and a touch, and he caught five of eight of his targets, whereas Henry only had 10 carries for that game. So what do you guys think about the Titans' backfield going forward? Do you think Deion Lewis is the back to own, or was this just a product of the game? Did Mario to come back in the game? I didn't finish watching that game. He came back in and then re-exited. All right, um... That was a super I mean, weird game. I mean, there was a, yeah. the longest delay Deion in Deion Lewis NFL is better history, than Derrick Henry. I mean, if Delaney Walker is going to be out for the season for sure, which, I mean, I'm guessing he is. He kind of screwed up his ankle. Um, I don't expect Jonu Smith to eat all those targets up. I think they're either going to go to Corey Davis, which he already got a huge amount of targets, or Taewon Taylor, or they got to go to Deion Lewis. It's either Taewon or uh, Deion Lewis. I think I would rather have Deion over Derrick Henry, but Derrick Henry's still going to he's still gonna be good this year. There's no reason to doubt him. It's just he's probably going to be almost untouchable to play in DFS. So Deion Lewis is a definite DFS back. Derrick Henry is not better than Deion Lewis. Well, Henry's stat sheet looks worse than he played. He had a long run called back. I think it was like 60-plus yards where he just ran through the whole Dolphins, uh, you know, run defense. So Henry could have had a bigger game if that didn't get called back from a holding penalty. But um, that being said, especially with uh, DK being a PPR site, if Lewis got eight targets, which could go up even higher if Walker misses the season, which he is looking like he will, I could definitely see Deion Lewis being a valuable play. A lot more steady, anyways. Whereas Henry could have those big GPP winning weeks where he gets two touchdowns and a, and a big game out of nowhere. But like like Jared said, it's going to be really hard to predict that. Yeah. Personally, I'm not a fan of Mariota, so I would fade the entire um, Titans receiving core. The only person that I would play in DFS would be Deion Lewis. On it for me personally. Nah, I, I agree with that, but Corey Davis is a for fantasy. Especially if Blaine Gabbert is starting, that boy is not good at all. That's fact. Yeah. So, but Joe, you have no interest in uh in Corey Davis. He got 13 targets this game, so that is kind of uh, the same the target share that would project that he actually is going to break out, like a lot of people assumed he would this year. Do you think that he could be getting that kind of average target target share going forward? Yeah, I think it could happen, but I don't know. I'm just not a fan of the Titans' offense, honestly. So I would fade everybody except for Lewis. Do you think they win more than six games this year? Um, if Mariota's out, then definitely not. Even if he's in, do you think they win more than six? If he's in, yeah, they'll win more than six because they play um their division pretty close. Like, they beat the Jaguars two times last year. Um who's obviously the best team in the division. And then, otherwise, they're a pretty good team in general. 
and yeah, I would think they would win more than six. That's kind of a low number for them. Yeah, six yeah. six to eight sounds right. And and just a quick note before we move on in that same game, uh, Frank Gore basically doubled Kenyon Drake's uh, yards per carry. So just throwing that out there, just uh, <laughs> as 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 I knew it would happen, and everybody should have. So you know, no, you rebuttal, didn't know Joey. That he was. You didn't know that he was gonna let's move on double his yards per carry. Right, let's move well, on. you were saying that they were gonna split work, which they did. Right. That That's is that is fair. That's fair. Um speaking of splitting work, uh the Seahawks backfield was interesting today. Chris Carson and Rashad Penny got exactly the same workload, although Carson did more with him, uh with his touches, but Chris Carson and Penny both got seven rush attempts and both got five targets. Do you guys see either one of them emerging to the point that they're relevant, or will they just leech off of each other and, and just make them irrelevant? I mean, they had a tough matchup to uh, yesterday against the Broncos, who have a pretty good run defense. But I think Carson will eventually overtake um, the whole job and not split with Penny. I feel like Penny is not good. He looked slow. He looked indecisive. And I think Carson just looked way better than Penny. So I think the split was just because he was a first rounder. So they kind of like obligated to give him touches because mm-hmm. they're like, he's a top pick. Like we need to get him going, but he just did not look productive. Yeah. And Chris Carson uh, hurdled a dude like he was Todd Gurley out there. That was pretty impressive. Um, Although Chris, Chris Carson did have a fumble as well, though which hurts his stock a little. Yep. I, st- I still can't get over Penny getting drafted in the first round. The Seahawks need so much more than a running back. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that they realize that, and maybe they will Jeez. soon. Did you guys uh, catch the article that came out about, like, the players not trusting Pete Carroll anymore after <laughs> after the decision to not run the ball in the Super Bowl? Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Well, you know, I Pete mean, Carroll's got I, a I shady it. past if you go back to his college football history, so I wouldn't be surprised with anything regarding Carroll. Like, nah, like, they just don't trust him as a coach. Like, they don't think, you know, he can get the job done because, like, he Yo, makes questionable decisions. How about Earl Thomas coming out after a holdout and picking off a pass in, like, the first drive? Yeah. That was good to see. Thomas and uh, Khalil Mack, both off of holdouts, just looked amazing. And I would kind of expect uh, Aaron Donald to look the same in tonight's game. Shows talent can overtake anything if you're good enough. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Let's move on to another running back who had a surprising debut. Uh, Christian McCaffrey definitely underproduced in his week one uh, showing against the Cowboys. There was a lot of hype surrounding CMC entering week one. His preseason usage had led people to believe that he would be sort of a true bell cow coming out. Um, But his actual workload ended up looking a lot like it did last year. He carried the ball for what I thought was a pretty disappointing 10 times for 50 yards, even though that's a good average. Um, People were looking at how he had carried 10 times in one uh, like quarter in the preseason, I think in the third week when the starters got run. So to see him only get 10 carries uh, in his debut was pretty weak, even though he did get uh, five catches on nine targets for 45 yards. So again, he showed his floor, but it's like he he may not have that ceiling that people assumed he would as he was sort of creeping into the first round of redraft uh, leagues. Such a, such a facade. He also fumbled right on the goal line. Yeah. Um, that game was just a weird game. That's not... Yeah. That was... It was just a bad all-around game. I, I mean, so, Cam, I New- know, Cam Newton snap, snapped. So, But Cam Newton had three more carries than their running, than their running back. Yeah, that know? was just a weird game. <laughs> I think this was just a bad game. And McCaffrey still didn't do that bad. So, PPR-wise... PPR he didn't do bad, but like Ben said, he yeah. only had 10 rushing attempts when in the preseason they gave him that on, like, the first drive. Like, Yeah, yeah. I think he'll be a bigger, crazy. bigger part in the future. Mm-hmm. Jared, um, so, so, Jared, you're, you're saying that that isn't really a trend. It was just an awkward week one, and he, he has a chance to bounce back. Yeah, I think he'll bounce back in a huge way. Yeah, I think he'll bounce back just because I feel like they'll, they'll use him more. And with uh, Olsen getting hurt, he's 
now he's basically the top option in the passing game. Honestly, that is very true. Um, moving on to and, and this all seems like running backs. I guess it was just the running back usage was so interesting in week one. Um, I touched on this a little bit earlier, but David Johnson I thought was super disappointing along with the entire Cardinals offense. Uh, David Johnson only got nine carries for 37 yards and a touch. The touch came late when they were already uh, the game was over, so it somewhat salvaged his day, but it was just garbage time. Um, he only got three carries in the second half, probably because they were getting blown out, but he didn't even really make up for it in the passing game. He did get nine targets, which is sort of you know average for him. That's a lot for some backs, but nine targets isn't crazy for David Johnson, and he only turned that into five catches for 30 yards. So uh, what are you guys thinking about David Johnson, and do you think that he will be able to overcome what is looking to be a pretty shaky Cardinals offense? Once Rosen gets in there, I think he'll be fine. Can I just say that Sam Bradford is the biggest scammer in NFL <laughs> history? Nah, yo, did you his, see that boy his, Chase Daniel? This boy, this dude gets paid like a million bucks per throw. He gets no Sam Bradford. Oh yeah, he's got twenty million dollars. Sam Bradford. Yeah, oh, one year twenty million dollars, and he he's so bad. He gets paid a ton he everywhere is, he goes. And then he no, plays like know. seven games, and then breaks his like head or whatever, and then he's done. He tore his ACL like three times <laughs> with the Rams, and got paid. They paid him a lot. They paid him like seventy million, I I think somewhere around there. Then he went to the Eagles. They traded him. To the yeah, White they got Coast. like a. Didn't they get a first round pick out of him or a second round pick out of him? Yeah, it was a first so, round like a pick. high pick. When Teddy, when Teddy got hurt, yeah. Crazy. First round pick. These people holding on to what he did in college. Yeah. Like, that was almost 10 years ago. (laughs) He's the biggest scammer in NFL history, bro. crazy. The Cardinals are so bad. And that goes into play with David Johnson. If Sam Bradford's in there, I'm down on David Johnson. Because they're going to be losing every game. Didn't he get hurt in college, too? Didn't he have a major, like, knee injury in college? I couldn't tell you. So David Johnson's price came down, but barely. Uh, next week he is eighty two hundred. Do you guys have any interest there? He's going to be facing the Rams, so that's going to be a pretty tough matchup. I think no. that's going to be a full fade for me until he proves yeah. otherwise. And full fade. This boy Aaron Donald's going to eat him for dinner, dude. <laughs> um, what, how long do you guys think it takes uh, for Rosen to overtake that job? Once they go zero and four. Two more weeks. <laughs> yeah. Next game if they're losing. Yeah, for real. Oh, my God. It, it's not going to take long. I talk about Sam Bradford all day. But so, let's not, and let's move on to another yeah. below-average quarterback. <laughs> and this is super below-average. This is probably one of the worst quarterbacks I've ever okay. seen, Nathan Peterman. Um, this is <laughs> this is seriously absurd how bad he is. Uh, so he, he He's not even <laughs> average, bro. He's oh terrible. <laughs> Absolute trash. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you listen to this, Nathan Peterman. This ever comes across, <laughs> ever comes across your iTunes. You are bad. Yeah, man. And yeah, I, I tried sorry. to believe, man. I, I shot a $3 uh, GPP entry with Nathan Peterman out there at 4200 So shout out to that $3 that I'll never see again. Um, that one's for <laughs> you, Nathan. I, I tried, man, but it's over for you. Um, so Peterman only made it into the third quarter for the Bills before he got replaced by Josh Allen. And in those uh, about two and a half quarters that he played, he managed to get 24 yards, an impressive 24 yards, and two touchdowns <laughs> while taking three sacks. So, um, two touchdowns? You mean I'm, two uh, I'm sorry, yes, two interceptions. No, he, he definitely didn't get two touchdowns. That's crazy. So, <laughs> Dude, that's too much. Y'all, I'm crying. That's too much. That's two touchdowns is way too much for him. That's like a season total, bro. <laughs> Do you guys want to hear his. Um, Career stats, real quick. Yeah, I want it. It's five games total appearing in five games total. Seven interceptions, twenty nine completions. Oh my god! How many attempts? Sixty seven attempts. He has a forty forty three percent completion percentage. Oh my god! Forty three percent. So for every every four completions, he's gonna throw a pick. <laughs> That's insane. Why is he on an NFL? He has a twenty-five point seven quarterback rating. <laughs> I have never seen anything that bad, oh, ever. Hey, 
And he is so bad. And let me tell you, so so the three of us live in upstate New York, so we're around quite a uh, quite a few Bills fans who have a lot of faith in this trust the process business with Sean McDermott, and that it's all part of his plan. But after today's game, McDermott said that he needed to see more tape on Peterman to decide if he's going to start next week. I'm like, what? What more? Tape what more tape do you need? Do you need? Look at his tape and then cut him. Like that's all you need to do. That's all you need he, to do. Don't even cut him. Throw him out of the airplane back. <laughs> Home. He averages four point one yards per completion. Yeah. Um that just goes into the question. Do we do we like any anybody on the Bills this season? Nah. <laughs> nah. I, I like whatever defense that they're playing against. Honestly. Um <laughs> Josh Allen looked terrible too. Yeah, he I looked mean, he marginally led, he, better, but barely I mean seriously, barely. He led them to three points, but like that was wow. three points and how many drives? I'm not even going to lie. I don't even know how many yards he had. Allen, I, like, coming into this draft and, like, as a viewer, he was definitely uh, the worst quarterback in my opinion, and he kind of went high. So I thought that was a pretty bad pick. And I'm not even going to lie, I played uh, McCoy in some of my lineups, and he busted. So that kind of had me tilted as well. He had seven carries for 22 yards. So... Do you guys think that's going to be indicative of his season to come? Yeah. Um, if Josh Allen starts, I think McCoy will get will be better. But Peterman, since literally, on like no like no joke, they could literally play one on one on the corners and put like nine men in the box and play no safety. Because they know Peterman can't complete a pass past five yards, and if he does, it's getting picked off. <laughs> I really think that the that their line is so bad that McCoy won't be able to overcome that. And when running backs hit that cliff and they fall off, it happens fast. So I, I would not be surprised to see McCoy have had his last productive years. Um, as sad as yeah, that is, considering gotta, he's a pretty great player. Uh, i got to give him a couple more games before I can write him off because yeah. – I don't know. This could this could have been just a fluke, and he could go off for like thirty points next game, and we we would be wrong. But so I, I just gotta see what he does in these upcoming weeks. But I'm definitely gonna be off of him. And and for the people out there who say that you know Colin Kaepernick is only out of the NFL because of his political views, I I say look at the Bills. I mean, he would easily be a plus addition to the Bills quarterback room. Oh my you, you god! Can't, you can't say Bills, that he's not. I mean, that that's crazy. take out the protests and all that. He would be a hundred times better than any quarterback on that roster. Yeah, um, without a doubt. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So that that Nathan is, Peterman. Nathan Peterman. Bro. Yo, how did that, he... <laughs> is, that is comical? He. This dude oh. said we're playing too good of teams to start Josh Allen, so let's start Nathan Peterman. <laughs> how is how does he give you a better shot of winning? This dude before today threw five picks. Like in a playoff game, he threw it straight to Jalen Ramsey and said, "I don't want to play anymore. Let's go home. Wait. I had enough of this season." There's absolutely no way that they can start Peterman against the Chargers. The last time he placed the Chargers, he's just gonna start having flashbacks <laughs> and just start crying and like go into the fetal position behind center. Like, there's no way oh, that they that play him the, against is the that Chargers. What they play next yeah. Week? yeah, they play that the Chargers next start. week. Yeah, where he came out and threw those five interceptions last year. You know how chalk yeah. the Chargers is gonna be next week, dude. In cash, they're gonna—they literally might be seventy-five percent owned. I'll have yep, them. In, I'll have the Chargers the chalk. defense in every lineup. I'm eating. I the hope Peterman plays. Early bro. look. Early look into DSD for next week. Chargers, <laughs> no matter what. Facts. Nah, <sighs> yo, they're gonna be chalk, and then P- they're gonna start Peterman, and he's gonna win a GPP. He's gonna snap, bro. He's gonna hear this podcast and be like, all right. <laughs> we might give him the motivation he needs to turn his career around because yeah he he might be out of the NFL by week five. Yeah, I could see it. Um, let's move on here to let's see what do we got here? Uh, how about the Jags wide receiver room? So Keelan Cole was chalked this week. Um, you know I I sort of got off of him towards the end. I still played him in cash, which. Thankfully, you know, Michael Thomas and Connor bailed me out of that play. But 
Cole, who was anticipated to be the wide receiver one, um, ended up being the third in, ter- in terms of target for Jacksonville. He got out-targeted by Westbrook and Moncrief. So uh, do you guys think that that's going to be, you know, sort of the pecking order going forward, or is is it just going to be too crowded and it'll be a week-to-week thing to play any of them? If I ever play um, one of the Jackson series, which I never will because Blake Bortles looks like he's terrible. I don't know how he ever passed for – didn't he get hella yards like two years ago? Cause they, nah, he – He's a good fantasy quarterback. No, I'll never yes. play him. I will never play he's him. He's a good he's fantasy so, quarterback. He's so bad. He is bad. He might not. But he might not be a a great, you know, real life quarterback. But he gets points somehow, somewhere. Yeah, he rushes I'll play a lot. Nathan, points. I'll play Nathan Peterman over him. No, you no, won't. You won't. <laughs> <laughs> it's, he's just so bad. I mean, D.D. Westbrook is good enough to mask how bad Bortles is. So I'd play DD. Moncrief is going to be irrelevant all year. I'd play DD over Keelan Cole going forward. With Fournette getting hurt, and, I mean, I don't think it's a serious injury, so he should be back. TJ Yeldon play be next cash, week. boy. Yeah, I like, I like Yeldon, but other, other than that, I wouldn't target anybody in that offense. Uh, no DD, no Keelan. No Dante, no Austin, uh, Safarian Jenkins, nobody. I would just completely fade. Yeah, um, I, I agree. I think that it is going to be a trend going forward that the targets will just be too unpredictable. That being said, um, yeah, that's a perfect opportunity to play one of them in GPPs. Like, for example, with everyone getting burned by cold this week, I think his ownership will be super suppressed next week. Uh and you would think that they're going to have to pass quite a bit playing the Patriots, so I could see myself uh, going back to Keelan Cole next week with everybody off of him. So uh, just something to keep in mind there. Hopefully Fortnite is out next week, and then he comes back the week after. We will see. Um, Let's talk about Jarvis Landry here. So Landry got 15 targets um, with the Browns in his first game with the Browns, and that included several deep shots. He averaged 15.1 yards per catch, which is a lot for him especially. Um, so it kind of showed that Todd Haley is willing to use Landry in a different way than Miami used him. Uh, do you guys think that that is indicative of the future, um, Landry's expanded use and his target share? He's always gotten a lot of targets, but even even 15 is a lot for him. That's that's crazy. Yeah. Um, That might have been because of the weather. It was bad weather out there, and Jarvis Landry is captain checkdown. So, like, he's there when you need him. But I think he'll still average about maybe around 8 to 10 a game. But once Josh Gordon gets reacquainted in the offense, I mean, he plucked one straight off. Who was that? I forgot who the corner was. But he took it right off his dome for a touchdown. And, uh, yeah, Ben. Jarvis, Did you see that? Jarvis Landry got undershot overthrown all game because Tyrod just played he I mean the weather but I don't know but yeah, yeah Josh Gordon went plucked one right off his head Tyrod went 15 of 40 so 15 completions out 40 attempts yeah. for 197 yards with an average of 4.9 yards per pass and he had a QBR of 42.6 and a passer rating of 51.8 and, and yes, Joey, to answer your question, I did see that uh, Josh Gordon make one catch in his debut. So I don't know why you <laughs> said it with that tone. Like a, like he came out there and, and bossed up. Like he, he had one catch. Snap count. He'll lead the Browns in receiving this season. Nah. Yeah. But that being said, with their uh, with how how many receivers they have in their uh, passing passing game and Duke Johnson getting the work that he got, David Njoku, I, I do see Landry's targets going down, like Jared said. Uh, I think 10 targets per game is a pretty safe projection for him. I don't see him getting 15. Uh, Gordon won't be on a snap count forever. Um, so, yeah. Once Baker gets in there, which I don't know when that's going to be, Tyrod honestly didn't play that bad. He had – he – scrambled a lot he think he had like 70 some yards rushing today yeah he, he played well and rushing yeah he played well i mean that very low completion percentage was the weather 
I mean, it made Big Ben look terrible too. Even though Big Ben is terrible on the road, but um, once the weather gets better, I think Jarvis will even be better than he was on lower targets. And Josh Gordon, I think that was another reason Josh Gordon didn't play today as much. It was raining. It was bad weather. He already hurt his hamstring. If he goes out there, slips, he's done. Like they could easily lose him for the season. So that was one big reason he didn't play today. Uh, when he gets back, those targets are gonna shift over to Josh Gordon easily. Typical Browns fashion: down by fourteen points in the fourth quarter, come back, attempt a field goal to win the game. They get it blocked, and then they end up tying. They just can't seem to win. Well, you know, at least they didn't lose. Glass half full, I guess. <laughs> Um, so I got one more name to talk about today before we get out of here. Um, Andrew Luck made his return. Uh, he had 53 pass attempts, completed 39 of them, went for 319 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Um, all in all, I'd say it was pretty promising to see Luck produce that way. Um, that being said, you can still tell he's the Colts shifted their entire passing attack to be like short passing and and just quick throws um i think he had one completion over 20 yards if i'm not mistaken that was the 26 yard touchdown throw to ebron um but other than that it was all just short throws dump offs and i i wonder if that is because he's not fully recovered yet i think it's with his shoulder and the foot injury i don't know if if it's if it's his plant foot but if it is that's probably why I mean, he's coming off that major shoulder injury, and then on top of it, the foot. So I think he'll be fine by midseason, but right now um, I'd probably fade him unless they have a plus matchup. But someone to look for if you play him, if you want to pair him with Ryan Grant, who had eight catches today for 65 yards, who you mentioned before. Yeah, Uh, Um, Grant actually had more catches than T.Y., who only had five, Um, although Hilton did have 11 targets. But like like I said, you know, if if he's not throwing deep, that really kind of limits what T.Y. Hilton can do because he's one of the premier, you know, deep threats in the league. Yeah, and once they establish a run game, um, it'll take some pressure off him. He'll be able to take more shots. It's just like they don't really have to – I mean, Jordan Wilkins, like... They gave Wilkins a lot of touches, but they could not block for him to save their lives. Like, the line was so bad, which I think also goes into why they weren't passing deep, because they couldn't, because they had to get rid of it so quickly. They were Their, their line is a serious problem. Yeah, it is. Naheem Hines, like you guys pointed out, they shifted their offense to, like, that short, short intermediate passing game. And that's what he excels in. He had nine targets and seven catches for 33 yards. Himes? Himes. Yeah, and and Ebron also had five targets, and Doyle, I think, had ten targets. So it's just like they're just tossing it to their their tight ends and running backs. And even T.Y. got his targets, but they were, you know, shorter targets. So it's going to be something to keep an eye on how luck develops throughout the season. Every week it's going to be Hilton and Doyle lead the Colts in targets. And then after that, it could be Grant, Ebron, Hines. I think Grant's, Grant's going to be a big part of that offense this year. And uh, I, I was kind of watching that game somewhat closely. Um, Ebron, although the stat doesn't look too bad because he had four catches, 51 yards, and a touchdown, he played poorly. He had two penalties that were just the kind of stupid things that made Lions fans hate him when he was in Detroit. He he makes an impressive catch, but for every impressive catch he makes, he makes two boneheaded mistakes. So, you know, Ebron will never be the type of player that a fan base can get behind. He's just he's not a good player. I'm just going to put that out there. I agree. Don't get excited. He, Doyle is the tight end to own in in Indianapolis. Yeah, Doyle is definitely the tight end to own. Doyle's actually good. Well, um, is there anything else that you boys want to touch on before we get out of here? One player, if we're talking about DFS, a low key DFS player, and also season long player, Randall Cobb had a huge game today. And if Rogers, if that injury lingers, but he can play through it. That quick passing with Devontae Adams' first step. his sl- First of all, Devontae Adams is probably one of the top slant route runners in the whole league. So him 
and then Randall Cobb in the short passing game could be GPP winner um, plays at some point this year. So I'd watch out for that, especially if Rodgers stays hurt. But if he gets healthy, Allison's going to be more viable than Cobb, I believe. Yeah, um, I, I don't know Allison's numbers off the top of my head, but Cobb had nine uh, catches out of his 10 targets for 142 yards and a touchdown. Granted, most of that came uh, on that last touchdown throw from Rodgers. But like you said, if he's going to be focusing more on a shorter passing game, then Cobb is definitely going to be viable. And he's super cheap. He's actually only uh, 4600 next week, which is crazy. Um, that being said, it is uh, facing Minnesota, so that's probably why. And they're starting to incorporate those bubble screens that they used to do with Greg Jennings all the time. They're trying to bring those back. So, um, yeah, it's just something to look out for. And one quick thing, what we're talking about our, you know, our homer teams, Joey, I want to ask you, uh, Philip Dorsett had a substantial amount of targets today. He had seven targets, and he caught all of them, which was more productive than Hogan was. Do you think that Dorsett is going to be a legitimate option for the Patriots this year? And if so, I mean, you got to consider looking at him. He's only 4,500 next week, probably a fade against Jacksonville. But, I mean, if he's getting those targets in the Patriots offense, you're going to have to consider him at some point. Yeah. He caught all of his targets for 66 yards and a touchdown. But, I mean, he's a good play until Edelman gets back. He's basically just replacing Edelman as a slot receiver. And uh, we all know that Tom Brady loves his slot receivers. So, I think I think Dorsett will definitely improve this season. And he should put up stats even when Edelman gets back. But I would definitely try and play him before that happens. If you want the sidelines... He worked the sidelines really well. And the thing is, when you think about him, when you think about Dorsett coming out of college, he was, like, profiled as, like, a speedster, and it was kind of weird that the Colts took him in the first round considering T.Y. Hilton has that role on their team. Probably one of the reasons he didn't work out there. But, I mean, if – I mean, people forget he was a first-round pick. He's super fast. Um, I think that Dorsett could have a decent revival of his career if the Patriots use him in sort of that Brandon Cooks role from last year. Yeah, I agree. Um, and just to update the listeners about our little three-man DraftKings, Ben won oh, this yeah. week. So, How could I forget? So yeah, I just played my ben cash is- lineup, uh, scored 211, like I said earlier, wiped the floor with these boys. Um, so that's one, yeah, one I mean, and a I was oh right no. there at 190. So Yeah, um, so we will keep that updated. Um no surprise, I won. Don't be shocked if I win next week. It's probably going to happen. So, um, yeah. That, nah, that's you just got a went. lucky lineup. Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to digging into these lineups for next week. You guys will be able to hear us do a full preview position by position for the week two main slate. That will come out on Thursday this week. Um, so look out for that. Joey, would you mind telling the people where they can find us and how to support the podcast? You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. So for iTunes, all you have to do is go on your podcast app on your phone. If you have an iPhone, um, search the DFS Dose, hit that subscribe button, and then that'll help support us. Uh, you can leave a nice little rating if you would like, if you like the content that we're bringing you guys. And also you can find us on Twitter at the DFS Dose. And make sure to follow, retweet, like, and just share our tweets. We post uh, pretty much every day. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. If you had followed us today, you could have seen us highlighting uh, Michael Thomas as the best wide receiver play on the board. Not to toot our own horns, but, uh, you know, there's there's good content up there on our Twitter. So, yeah, give us a follow at the DFS Dose. Uh, my personal Twitter is at Ben Hover, B-E-N-H-A-U-V-E-R. Guys, you want to tell them where they can find you? Personal, my personal Twitter is at Joey Carrion underscore. And mine is at Jared underscore underscore Marcus. All right, guys. Um, good luck to you all. I hope you all did well in week one, and we will see you on Thursday to break down week two. Can't wait. Yeah.